Our first reading is Psalm 96 on page 543 of your Bibles. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to Yahweh. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly, is highly praised. He is, a, he is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them exult. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. Second reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 12 to 26. It can be found on the Pew Bible 1080. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, seeking to cause my anxiety in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Because I know this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me and I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will re remain and continue with all, all of you for, you progress, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. This is the word of the Lord.
Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'll speak to us this afternoon. We ask that this, as, as we hear you speak, you'll do a work in us by the power of your spirit. So we'll keep on growing in the knowledge of your son, the Lord Jesus. And that will indeed shape and change, transform our lives for your glory, we pray. Amen. It's been a while since I've had one, but um, you know those lollies, fantails, where the lollies are good, and you might salivate as you, I talk about them, but the wrappers are good as well because you get to play a little game, a little bit of a who's who. So they have people's names on them and then their lives are basically summed up in a few details and really kind of reflect who the people are, you know, what they might have actually lived for. It's something humbling about having your whole life summed up in a few facts or to be so famous that people can recognise you from a few facts. Um, but I wonder, as you think about that, what words might sum up you? As you think about your life and what you're known for, what words might people put to what you're known for? Whereas we come to this passage, it's very clear, isn't it, what Paul lived for. Um, what he's on about, what his cause is, what his identity is caught up in. And it's simply in that phrase, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Summed up in that phrase. Philippians 1.21. And to be honest, I could stop there and that would be enough. If you were to go away this week, if not for the rest of your life, reflecting on those words, it would have a profound effect on you. What it is for you, living is Christ and dying is gain. And what we'll see is really Paul saying whether you live or whether you die, it's a win-win situation because it's with Christ either way. But it sums up who he is. So last week we looked at the picture of partnership, what it is to be a partner in the gospel and what it means to be in Christ. So this afternoon we're looking at the purpose of this partnership and we're looking at the purpose purpose by looking at the example of Paul. I'm going to do that under two headings. Consumed by Christ so people know Christ, consumed by Christ so people know Christ and consumed by Christ so that people grow in Christ. So verses 12 to 14, Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and have dared even to speak the message fearlessly. It's Christ and the gospel that dominates this paragraph. I was looking at it with the upper primary kids in kids' church this morning and we went through and highlighted the words that were, under, uh, sorry, that were repeated and we circled the word Christ nine times. It's Christ that dominates the words here, of course, because it's Christ that dominates Paul 
and his life. And he's, it's his cause, it's his thing. So it's, of course, that he spills out talking about. And really, the associated actions or things that he says about Christ, a lot of them have to do with making the message known for it to be advanced, proclaimed, shared. It's a message, it's good news, and good news is always to be shared. So as Paul talks about Christ, what he has in mind is making him known, and so he says that, even in prison. It's interesting, isn't it? It's as though he's trying to reassure these fellow Christians, partners in Christ, that it's okay. Even in jail, my cause goes on because it's the cause of the gospel. You might think it's a terrible strategy to throw Paul, the key advancer of the gospel, into jail. How's he going to spread the gospel there? But there's no stopping him because there's no stopping the powerful message of the gospel. And that's what has happened in jail. And so there's a sense in which Paul is letting them know how he's going. He has a great sense of God's sovereignty that God's placed him there to continue the cause that he's been on about to make Jesus known. We see Paul's goal, his definition of what success is. As he assesses his life and his circumstances, it's whether the gospel is advanced or not. That's the only criteria he has. And he says this has happened. The gospel has advanced, verse 12. Christ has been preached, verse 18. And it's happened in two ways, inside the jail, outside the jail. Him being in prison has meant the gospel's been preached so that all the guards know the gospel, that nutter Paul, he's in prison because he's on about Jesus and he's still on about Jesus. And that's been uttered amongst all the guards. Secondly, outside the prison, the gospel's been advanced because Paul being in prison and continuing to live out the cause has given others a backbone for them to speak about Jesus. Somehow it's caused them to have confidence to speak of Jesus, knowing that Paul's there and change, chains. But not all is good, verses 15 to 17. I won't read them again, but basically what Paul's saying is there are others who are also preaching the gospel, but for some odd reason, they're doing it with wrong motives, wrong intentions. And it's not exactly clear what they might be. We don't have them spelt out. But Paul's talking about them because he wants to make the same point. The bottom line is, whatever motives, intentions, reasons people have for preaching the gospel assuming it's the true gospel about Jesus, he doesn't care as long as the gospel's advanced. As I think about Paul, one person who comes to mind is I think about someone passionate, and that is Steve Irwin. I mean, he's not alive anymore, but that's the kind of picture. I'm not sure if you know who I'm talking about, but having lived in Queensland, he used to dominate a lot of media. Steve Irwin, the kind of croc hunter, and I'm not sure if you ever saw an interview with him, but you know, he'd, he'd nearly get on the ground and act out wrestling with crocodiles whenever he was interviewed, even if there wasn't a crocodile there. 
this guy was just oozing passion for wildlife, for animals. And that legacy continues through his wife, uh, through his daughter, Bindi, who actually has become like a celebrity, not only on the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, where kind of his um, wildlife park is, but across Australia. The guy so, was so passionate about In fact, it was the cause for his death, wasn't it? And that's Paul. He's so passionate, passionate about Christ, the things that are eternal. So what's Paul's example? His example is that the advance of the gospel is the most important priority. It is the cause to live for. He's not focused on his circumstances quite clearly. He doesn't even hardly mention them and what they're like. He's not focused on his comfort. He's not worried about his reputation. He's not sitting around and thinking about his hurts, throwing some kind of pity party. I know that I would be doing that, saying something like, I can't believe God has put me here in prison. The chains hurt. The cell's uncomfortable. The other prisoners smell. The guards are harsh. The food is shocking. On and on and on I would go, hoping that people would join me in that and have a little party with me. But Paul has his sights lifted above his circumstances to Christ and making him known. Paul is living to live with Christ and loving to take as many people with him as possible. What's your most important priority? It's very confronting, isn't it, hearing about Paul? So passionate, single-focused. He's ambitious, no doubt. But his ambition is shaped by the gospel and who Christ is to him. How does he measure success? How do we measure success? Comfort, money-making, good retirement, good reputation, good education for our kids. They're all good, sort of low-level reality life ambitions, aren't they? All, in a sense, good things. But it's how we see them and how we view our response to them and roles and responsibilities in those things. It's not to give up those things, but to see them as, as opportunities to live out like Paul the healthy gospel ambition as a cause for Christ to live for him and make him known in and through those opportunities. Seeing ourselves as a partner in Christ, living for the cause of Christ first. So God might have you at the moment as a full-time mum, full-time engineer, a student, operating in the corporate world, do you see yourselves there first as a Christian or first as those things? First as a Christian and in Christ, a partner in him where God has placed you there for his cause, to work, to think, to speak in a way that shines forth who he is. And you know the great joy when that happens, having that mindset. You know, Church by the Bridge is on about innovatively taking the gospel to our networks, neighbourhoods and to the nations. Our mission, because it's Jesus' mission, is to make disciples. Essentially what we're saying is 
as we're sitting here now, we're not content with the people that are around us. We've been given them to love them now, but to work together so that, for example, this time next year, we might be surrounded by the people we've shared the gospel with who've become Christians. That's the picture we would have if we'd have consumed by the cause of Christ and making him known. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That every second Sunday we're talking about having to go down to Blues Point because we've got another baptism in the water again because we're making Christ known. That was Paul, consumed by Christ and make Christ known. But also he's consumed by Christ in life now so that people grow in Christ. Consumed by Christ in life so that people grow in Christ. As I said, his catch cry is, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. You know, he's the dilemma he's expressed there because he knows it's a win-win situation. To live is Christ, to die is Christ because I'll be with Christ. It's a summary of this section. Living's all about Jesus, knowing him and living for him. Whatever happens to Paul, whatever is done to him, he can still live for Jesus. Even if you kill him, he's saying, even if I was to die, you're only doing him be good because he'll go and be with Jesus. Verses 25 to 26, as he weighs up his choices, he asks, what's best for God's people? What's best for the church? Now, if you were thinking about life or history as a long piece of string, you know, you could stretch it from there to there. And at some point, you could put a dot on that piece of string, just imagine across here, and the dot, you could say, would represent our life. That's how short it is in light of all of history. I mean, the string would go on forever, obviously. We're just thinking about that dot. And that's, that's actually the little space in history that we've been given. It's so easy in life as we go kind of day to day, moment to moment, to get caught up and forget that eternal perspective, isn't it? To make the most of all the dot and all it brings. Which in and of itself isn't bad, is it? if we're thinking about making the most of all the dot and all it brings for the sake of Christ, living for him and making him known. Let's not just live for the dot in and of itself, for our own selves, but for the cause of Christ, keeping that eternal perspective in mind so that we're constantly thinking, for me, living is Christ. Living is Christ and dying is gain. What would it be to live tomorrow for Christ? As you picture yourself starting a new week, starting another Monday, do you picture yourself living for Christ? I think it's a nice addiction to have that you're constantly saying, I trust you, Jesus. Or to pick up the words of the kids' talk, every day, in every way, living for King Jesus. I've kind of adapted it for myself. Every day, in every way, living for King Jesus. If someone was to place one word on your grave to capture 
that you were known, what you were known for, what would it be? You know, Steve Jobs, Apple, Albert Einstein, science maybe, Steve Irwin, Crocs. What about for you? Clearly for Paul it would be Christ. For me, living is Christ, dying is essentially Christ. No doubt for many of you that would be true. Asking people around you, yes, they are very passionate. Always talking about Jesus, what he means for them. Always praying to Jesus. Always thinking about life in terms of Jesus and his will for them. Uh, the missionary that took the gospel essentially to Vanuatu, as it's known now, is a guy called John G. Patton, or Payton. And he took it in the 19th century. And uh, when he was going, uh, people of Vanuatu were, were cannibals. In fact, the no, last known kind of act of cannibalism over there, I think, was in the 1960s, believe it or not. But when he was planning to go as a missionary to, the, to Vanuatu, um, one man said, you'll be eaten by cannibals. You'll be eaten by cannibals. And so John G. Patton replied, Mr. Dixon, you're advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. Your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. You could have just used one word. You're about to die. It's kind of a nice way of saying you're about to die. Your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you, that if I can but live and die serving and honouring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And the great day my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. There's clarity, isn't it? Who cares how I die? Who cares if I'm eaten by worms or cannibals? Doesn't really matter. We'll all be raised up with the body of Jesus. What matters is going so that people can hear Jesus and hear about Jesus. Now, I don't think by implication that's what I'm hoping all of you do. We'll leave here and go to another nation, get under threat by eaten by cannibals or whatever. Now, I think maybe the harder thing is to actually stay and face the people you're with every day. They might eat you up in another kind of way. I think that's a much harder thing to live for Christ here and now under the allure of the kind of stupefying offers of the world, where we forget to see, rejoice in, celebrate, believe, be convinced of, live for, the eternal things of the gospel. And it sounds extreme, doesn't it? Some missionaries talking like that. But that's Paul's example as well. What a, what a great privilege and opportunity we have now that we're known and we're in Christ, we're known by God and we're in Christ because of what he's done for us, we'll be raised up with him no matter what. What a great privilege and responsibility we have to, to live that out and share it with others. You know the joy of living for Jesus and making him known. Testifying when you see the power of the gospel as Dan testified, as Christiane testified. It is breathtaking 
to experience that. It's been breathtaking for you. We have the opportunity to make that breathtaking for others and see it happen in their life as well. There's there's another famous quote where someone says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And you think everything can be done for Christ. That's what Paul's saying, living is Christ. May it be our catch cry, like Paul's, for me. Living is Christ and dying is gain. Let's pray. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life in death for us, rose again, so we know the breathtaking experience and power of the gospel in our own lives. Thank you for the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that brought that about. It's only by your grace and mercy that that's happened. Father, thank you for that good news you've implanted in our hearts that's transformed our lives. We know what it is for us to live with Christ and we know what it will be to gain in dying because we'll be with Christ. Help us to see life, all of life, every moment, as an opportunity to live for you every day, everywhere, living for King Jesus. And we pray this in his powerful name. Amen.